Hey folks, I'm Tom. And I'm Vince. Welcome to Friday Night Beers, a show where two guys who know too much about pop culture and not enough about beer try some beers and explain them in a way that you may understand. But that you probably won't, and it'll only make sense to us. Either way, we hope you'll be entertained. Vince, it's the dead of winter here in Chicago, and it's not great. No, it's not great, but you know what I say? Bring it on. Yeah, and you know what I say? To hell with that! Yeah, give me some <laughs> mores. <laughs> that's as good as we're going to go directly in. These, that's, I thought we were just going to go right to hell. <laughs> Right to, oh, Hellas. Hellas, come on. Oh, going Moors. Yeah, well, we well, got there. Yeah. It was yep. painful, but we what did it. What are we it. drinking? What are we drinking, Tom? We're drinking uh, Hellas Lager. That is the name of the beer. And as you prefaced, this is from Moors Brewing Company right here in Chicago. Vince, these guys have a very interesting story. Very, very interesting. Let's start with the Hellas Lager. Top us off. Tell, tell me what we're drinking here. Yeah, so the Hellas Lager is a medium-bodied Munich-style lager that smells of melon rind, while bright German hops give this brew a subtle honeydew fruit taste. And it, it's crushable, it's crisp, it's refreshing, at least that's what they say. I've seen some Hellas Lagers out there. I've had some, but I've not had this particular one. And we've had, we've done one on the show, right? This isn't our first Hellas. It actually is our first Hellas oh on the show. Oh my god! Yeah, breaking breaking news right here. That is wild. Right. Okay, so our first Hellas, and you said you've had a Hellas before. I sure have. I have too. It's very interesting. I think we're in for a treat. Let's dive into Moore's Brewery because it's a short but interesting story. Founded on Juneteenth in 2021 by Jamal Johnson, Damon Patton, and Anthony Bell, all buddies who grew up on the south side of Chicago. They currently contract their brew out of 18th Street Brewery in Hammond, Indiana. So they distribute throughout Chicagoland, put their beer up at a lot of liquor stores, bars, restaurants throughout the city, lots of nights, lots of... Um, stuff that I, there was a specific focus at bitter pops on um, black owned breweries i want to say in 2022 maybe 2023 and that's actually how i first heard of moore's so i'm really thrilled to get in here and actually taste one of their beers a uh, couple things that they think are important that everybody know here less than one percent of breweries are african-american owned Back in the early days of the pandemic, they all came together, decided to start something of their own. They talked about what it meant to be black men in this country, the importance of working for a business focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when asked about their inspiration in specifically starting a brewery, they simply said, we can brew fucking beer. <laughs> well, that's all you really need to know, right? And I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So let's taste some fucking beer. Yeah, let's have some more, shall we? Nice. Cheers, Cheers Vince. Oh, yeah. Okay, I dig the smell right out of the gate. Very nice. Let's see if I can dig the taste, too. Yeah, that's that was as described. Nice, Ooh, light, yeah. crushable. Yes, love that they use crushable, too. For those of you wondering what we should be tasting in a Hell's here, malted accented lager beer balances that pleasant malt sweetness, which is what we're tasting and loving, and body with floral noble hops and just a restrained bitterness. It's a beautiful mix. 
I love it. Yeah. You know what else I love? I love a little history lesson. And, you know, last year the big talk on TikTok was that a lot of guys are fly-by-night uh, Roman history buffs. Oh, yeah, So yeah. at the risk of being one of those people, I did want to point out a couple of high-level facts about the Moors, which were a very important civilization in the Mediterranean and in African areas. In Western Civilization class. Right. Brother Rice High School, 2008, Doug Philo. Yeah. So the Moors were um, a group of medieval Muslims mostly based in North Africa. Modern-day descendants of Moors would be countries like Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia. And many years ago, an Italian man told me the difference between uh, dark-skinned Italians and light-skinned Italians is that the dark-skinned Italians come from more descendants because they came up into Italy. And, you know, one thing led to another. They had some kids. That's kind of how you can tell the difference. Wow, that's pretty interesting. That you said that was a, a cab driver. <laughs> this was a, a high school teacher I had. A high was school teacher, Sicilian. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I could have sworn you said cab driver. I literally thought you got cab a cab, driver. and then somebody was. Let just me like, break down the moors for you. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about Sicilians. <laughs> yeah, I also I remember the um, in Shakespeare's Othello. Othello was considered a, a moor, and in, in that play. Very When's the nice. last time you, you checked in on Othello, my guy? Uh, it's been a minute. I actually don't know that I've ever read it, despite my English degree. There was a, a modern-day film adaptation called O, where they reimagined it as basically like a high school basketball drama. Oh, God. I'm not sure uh, why Who's they did in it. Uh, I believe Julia Stiles is in it, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2001. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah, Julia Stiles, Mackay Pfeiffer, and, and your boy Josh Hartnett, who you loved in Ooh, Oppenheimer. A Forgotti. A Forgotti. Yeah. Another appearance. Another appearance. <laughs> yeah. Vince, this is going down real smooth, though. I'm enjoying this. Yes, I am loving this. So, okay, let's get back to our roots here. What does this remind you of? Like the, It's like a, it's a great mix of smooth, bitter... I just like really this I could have a million of these I feel from my memory of other Hellas lagers they are a sort of a it's like a low maintenance beer you know you know what you're gonna get they're kind of like pilsners which makes sense given the German background with this one in particular I don't know if I'm all the way there on the the melon taste but it is a little bit fruity yeah which I appreciate definitely and it's just a real easy going time. Low maintenance, like I said. Yeah, so I want to focus on the low maintenance aspect of it yeah. because it strikes me as, and maybe this is just this specific version of the house. We'll have to have more on the show and, and figure it out, but it reminds me a lot of a TV show that you just throw on while you're doing other stuff, right? You don't really care about it. It's just like you can keep up with it. The difference being, I think this one's very good. Yeah, I think something that came back into my life recently that fits this is the show Californication. Did you ever see that show? I never saw that. What? Hold on. What's the difference between that and and Hung? Oh well, I'm confused all the time. Hung was uh, a short-lived, somewhat short-lived HBO series with Thomas Jane. Yeah. And this was a Showtime show that ended up going on for like seven or eight years with David Duchovny. Right. And it's loosely based on this real life guy. But 
you know, Californication kind of hits the same beats every episode. David Duchovny is this, like, vagabond-esque, like, writer who women are obsessed with to the point where he basically sleeps with a new woman every episode. Meanwhile, he's still in love with his somewhat ex-wife, and they have a daughter together. And it's all based in California, obviously, Californication. Mm. And this was randomly, like, airing on Pluto TV, and I kind of got sucked back into it because I've seen the show a couple times. I mean, it's, like, on a kind of a silly premise. Like, guy just gets laid every episode. People are... Like, the situations he gets thrown into are kind of ridiculous, but then every once in a while, it hits this beat where it's like, oh, like, that was actually a little bit profound. So, can you watch this over and over and over again without yeah. losing it? Well, I thought... Taste? I thought that I couldn't, but I watched almost like half of the first season again in one sitting just because I was so like enraptured by it again, even though I've already seen it. Wow. You can tell that because this show came out in 2007, they were like, all right, well, there's got to be at least one nude scene uh, every episode. So here, is here it is. Is that a 2007 thing or is yeah. that like a just after 1998? I think that... Like these premium cable networks early on, their selling point was like, we can say fuck and we can have naked women. Yeah, that's pretty much the selling point. Right. At some point, we swapped from like shamefully slinking. Not that I ever did this because I was way too young to do it. Shamefully slinking into a curtained off back room in a blockbuster (laughs) to just paying $4.99 a month. I mean, what happened? What happened to predictability? (laughs) The Milkman, the paper boy. Weekend TV. I used to think that was even MTV, <laughs> but it's, I think it's evening TV. Oh, we should do a misheard <laughs> lyrics episode at some oh, point. Oh my god! Yeah, so for me, I, that's a little full house for you guys. For, actually, for Ryan Mac, because I know he doesn't recognize that. Mm-hmm. But for me, this reminds of Seinfeld. That is a great show. But you do not have to pay attention at all. It's the most low maintenance show I have ever participated in a show that straight up tells you that by saying it's about nothing and they have like a couple of i feel like they have a couple that are like one or two episode arcs and i have never once had like turned this off in the middle of the arc and gone huh i wonder what happened there because everything else is just so satisfying seinfeld is a show from a begone era of tv where you know, people weren't turning on television sets to watch serialized, long-running stories. They were just like, I just like to be entertained for a little bit. And with a familiar setup and people that I know. But they're not... It wasn't like building to something. Like Seinfeld and or Friends or these shows that got really popular. It was just sort of like a good hang once a week. Yeah, yeah. Will we change everything so serious now? In addition to... Flashing boobs and and saying the F word and the B word. And now, honestly, the C word is very popular. But that might just be coming along with our obsession with British TV. <laughs> Are you aware there's a streaming service that's purely for British TV? What's it called? I think it's called BritTube or something like that. BritBox, maybe? BritBox, that's okay, the one. Then I have heard of that. BritBox. I heard that and I thought it was a subscription for my dog. I saw a great tweet that <laughs> was like... Every award show I watch, I'm reminded how many people are secretly British. Yes. Like the guy from Succession who just won the Golden Globe, Tom. He's a Brit. Oh, yeah. He's a Brit. A lot of people didn't know that. But, like, a lot of people did. So, 
I think every woman in my life knew that because he was the heartthrob in like Pride and Prejudice or something, or Sense and Sensibility. I don't. Which yeah. like, God, I tried to read one of those books. I can't do it. I just can't. It's it's everything that I am impatient with. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I don't know. Will he love me today? Will he say? Will he look at me? And I'm like, oh my God! Just tell him you're into him. Yeah. That's what I want. I just I want it to over with. Here's something I know you can try better than that. This beer out of the glass. Ooh. Should we take it in the glass? Yeah, let's take it in the glass. Yeah, I'm enjoying this out of my newly gifted uh, glass, by the way. Thank you to John Marcisson. It's a beautiful color. It's not that like really, really clear light beard. That you get with like a Bud Light or a Miller Light. It's okay. Really strong. This is fascinating. I'm getting much more of the fruitiness out of the glass than I was in the can. I think this might be a beer that you you take out of the can as soon as you can. Oh, okay. You seeing that or no? Yeah, no, I like it. I agree to a point. I don't think I'm like getting as big a reaction as you are, but I'm I'm noticing a, a difference for sure. It's just very like I can't explain it. It's very sweet. It sits back there and it's like. I'm not in a rush to gulp it down. I want to let it sit on my palate and soak up in my cheeks. That sounds disgusting, but it's not. Soak it up. I just want it in my mouth for as long as possible. And that's rare, I think, in a beer that's not a fruited sour. Yeah, I I mean, again, we haven't formally done this on the show, but this is trending into one of the better Hellas lagers that I can recall having. I agree. I 100% agree. And I also love how new they are. 2021. Brand new. You know, there's a lot of uh, ideas or things that really started to peak during the pandemic. Like I'm thinking about Peloton. Oh, yeah. Peloton's not doing well right now. And I think there were a lot of like, quote unquote, trends that we thought were like permanent slash irreversible because of COVID. And three years, three or four years later, it's like, no, actually, that was just because of COVID. Not these guys, though. These guys, I think, are going to make it. So I want to—I actually want to go back to that time in, in COVID area, right, where I found out, first found out about Morse, right? And I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I don't want to mess this up. But there was an event focused around Bitter Pops where they called it the Stroll, right? And the Stroll was... Uh, in collaboration with the Chicago Bruseum um, and the Black-owned breweries in the Chicagoland area, they came together and created a series of beers that really celebrate Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood, which is often called the Black Belt, which is a long stretch of city blocks that paralleled the Illinois Central Railroad tracks on Chicago's south side, and its most vibrant part, which was a strip of South State Street full of clubs and businesses that ran right through the heart of it called The Stroll. So bars, lounges, ballrooms, all kinds of entertainment out there. And as early as 1914, the Chicago Defender described The Stroll as the black cultural center in America and a mecca for pleasure. So they kind of borrowed this idea of The Stroll and they transported that kind of across different locations with these four specific beers and one of them was from Morris. So I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know that about the stroll at all. Never heard of that. Prior to it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think that there's been uh, a lot of things that uh, we have learned over the last 
several years due to COVID, due to things that have happened in our in our in our world that I've been very happy to learn about and I feel more like educated, which is great. Uh, on a much less serious note, I just watched a movie that I had, had never seen before. Ironically, the movie Juice. Oh, okay. yeah, I yeah, drafted yeah. Tupac Shakur in our juice draft. I recall. And I watched it on a plane. And I was like, God damn, this is a really good movie. And it's a movie about like a, a walk of life I know nothing about, right? Like black people living in Harlem, New York in the 90s, right? I was a baby. I had never been to New York. Obviously, like it doesn't, it's not something I know personally. You've, you've been there now. You've been yeah. to New York now. Yeah, I have, yeah. But it was like, a really fucking good movie. It was, it was compelling. And the best part was it was only 90 minutes. Like oh. it, it got in and out so efficiently. And I'm kind of like feeling the same way about this beer. It was a stroll. It was a nice <laughs> stroll. There was great acting. Omar Epps was amazing. Tupac was great. Samuel L. Queen Latifah. There was a great scene. Uh, there was a DJ competition, which is also something I don't know anything about. But... It's a movie I probably like wouldn't have given a chance if I wasn't on a plane, and I'm really glad that I did. That's actually a really great point, and I'm trying to think here of what what a final comparison for me for this would be. And I love, I love the fact that you said it was short. Not to say this is short. We're tall here. We got 16 ounces to go, but yeah. every one of them feels perfect and really well paced. And I think. The fact that it's surprising as well leads me on to a Christmas movie that I recently watched. I watched it over the holiday, so like probably, I don't know, going back a couple of months now. But let me lay you this cast list. Ben Affleck, James Gandolfini, Christina Applegate. I'm trying to think who the other one was. This is a Christmas film? It's a Christmas film. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, that's who it was. All four of them. It's called Surviving Christmas, and it's similar to like Pluto TV. I saw it just pop up. Moore and I were sitting there, and we were looking for a Christmas movie, and I kind of jokingly said, let's watch this one. It is not long at all. I got, I, I, it's got to be like 80 minutes. It's 91 minutes, so right in that. And it is all about this super wealthy guy who is all alone on Christmas, and he goes back to his Highland Park in Illinois, to his old house, which has now been bought by James Gandolfini and his family. His daughter is Christina Applegate. I think his son is the kid from Sex Drive, too, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, that seems like the timing might be off, but yeah. And he literally, he pays, he pays them half a million dollars to pretend to be his family and let him enjoy a family Christmas. And he is a dick about it the entire time. And I can't tell you the last time that I watched a movie before this and said, it really does matter the actors you get because this premise was horrific. I mean, it should have been dead on arrival, but I had the best time. When did this movie come out? This movie came out in <laughs> 2004. Oh my, I've literally never heard anything about I this. I have never heard about it, right? Just So that's where I'm at here. It was a highly enjoyable, unexpected you said, I told you, felt like it was 80 minutes. It was the full 91 minutes. 
that's how I feel about this beer. Yeah, I think the just the unexpected pleasure is where I'm at with it. And again, like I'm I'm advocating for this. Movies are too long now. Like they're almost all of them are are well over two hours. Some most of them are three. I'm I'm all in for a shorter movie as long as you can tell a compelling story, get in and get out. I think that's what these guys have done with this Hellas Lager. I agree. So where are we ranking this on our very well-known and notorious scales? For me, this gets a 4.25 out of 5 Vinces. I can't go lower than 4. I don't know that I'm ready to go 4.5. I'm sure this will grow as I have more Hellas, but really great work. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 4 out of 5 as well. I think that that's... These guys have hit a strong double, and they might be round in third base, depending on the, the way it's fielded. This might not even be their best beer. Yeah, I'm sure that they their other ones are, are just as good, but I'm enjoying it. It was a beer that I enjoyed learning about, and what a, what a great story that these guys are at Moore's Brewing. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's it? Hell yeah. Hells yeah. How about that? Hell yeah. <laughs> and if you guys want to check out more of our stuff on Friday Night Beers, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on social media, on Instagram, on X, on Threads. Yeah, just call it Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> it's whatever. We're on there. But until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Vince. This has been Friday Night Beers, where we have clear eyes, full cans. Must boobs. See you later. <laughs>